This is the Daily Signal podcast for Tuesday, July 26. I'm John Paul. And I'm Virginia Allen. House Democrats and some Republicans have successfully passed the Respect for Marriage Act. The bill would federally recognize any marriage if it was legally performed in any of the 50 states and would allow the attorney general to file civil action lawsuits against states that refuse to recognize marriages from other states. While recent polling data suggests that Americans overall are more in favor of gay marriage than generations prior, Heritage Foundation research assistant Jared Eckert argues this bill could have dire consequences if passed. Eckert joins the show today to discuss the unintended consequences of the Respect for Marriage Act and what states can do to ensure their rights aren't trampled on. But before we get to Doug's conversation with Jared Eckert, let's hit today's top news. President Joe Biden has nearly made a full recovery from COVID-19. That's according to White House physician Kevin O'Connor. O'Connor says Biden's only remaining symptoms are nasal congestion and minimal hoarseness. But COVID is continuing to spread in the government. West Virginia Democrat Senator Joe Manchin has also tested positive. He tweeted about testing positive for COVID on Monday, writing, I am fully vaccinated and boosted and am experiencing mild symptoms. I will isolate and follow CDC guidelines as I continue to work remotely to serve West Virginians. Senator Lindsey Graham is introducing legislation that would end the forced retirement of airline pilots at 65. The South Carolina Republican tweeted Monday, there is a severe and growing pilot shortage in the U.S. Every air traveler sees and feels the impact when they go to the airport. Talking about his bill, the Lead Experience Pilots Fly Act, Graham added that it requires that pilots over the age of 65 maintain a first-class medical certification, which must be renewed every six months. According to NBC News, the retirement age for commercial pilots used to be 60. It was changed to 65 in 2007. Americans want term limits for Supreme Court justices. A new poll from the Associated Press Nork Center for Public Affairs Research found that nearly two in every three Americans think term limits or a required retirement age would be a good idea. The poll found that 82 percent of Democrats and 57 percent of Republicans think term limits should be enacted. The poll was conducted in the wake of the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. The U.S. Constitution specifically states that federal judges, including Supreme Court justices, are appointed for life. It is unclear how Congress could easily pass legislation to limit justices' terms without violating the Constitution. That's all for headlines. Now stay tuned for Doug's conversation with Jared Eckert as they discuss the details of Congress's new gay marriage bill. Do you have an interest in public policy? Do you want to hear lectures from some of the biggest names in American politics? The Heritage Foundation hosts webinars called Heritage Events Live. These events are free and open to the public. To find the latest Heritage events and to register, visit heritage.org events. 
My guest today is Jared Eckert, a research assistant in the Richard and Helen DeVos Center for Life, Religion, and Family here at the Heritage Foundation. Jared, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Great. Well, let's get started then. Let's talk about this bill making its way through Congress that would codify gay and interracial marriage into law. So there's been a lot of discussion about this bill. Is it a good bill or a bad bill? Yeah. So last week, uh, it was passed in the House, uh, 267 to 157 vote, uh, with actually 47 Republicans uh, voting in favor of it. So um, you've you've asked the question, you know, this is a bill for codifying same-sex marriage and interracial marriage. Well, Quite frankly, that's not what it's about, um, because neither of those things are under threat by any means. Mm. Um, This is just an alarmist overreaction to the overturning of Roe v. Wade. And if you actually look at the opinion of Dobbs, for example, which is what Pelosi and others are citing for why we need this legislation, um, the court uh, explicitly recognizes that uh, Dobbs only addresses abortion. It doesn't address anything else. So that people are citing uh, Clarence Thomas's uh, concurrence, uh, but even he recognizes explicitly Look, there are some legal questions about uh, substantive due process, but at bottom, uh, this only applies to abortion. The court universe, like, all recognize that in their majority opinion. So the other question about what this bill would do is whether the states would be compelled to recognize the type of marriage that they maybe weren't wanting to do. So, for example, if Alabama failed to recognize gay marriage, would that be a problem under this this bill? So um, one thing that's important to understand is that this bill doesn't actually change the legal landscape at all. Um, States are already required to recognize same-sex marriage uh, under, given Obergefell and Windsor, um, Supreme Court cases passed, uh, uh, ruled in the last 10 years, five, five, 10 years. Um, So the legal landscape is already set so that states have to recognize uh, same-sex marriage as legitimate um, and as legally recognized. So um, this bill is really, again, it, it, what what's important for people to understand is that this bill is really a sort of uh, publicity stunt, mm-hmm. uh, trying to, again, divert attention from Democrats' radical policies. Um, one thing to keep in mind is that this bill comes in the middle of two administrative uh, regulations that are being rolled out. Um, one was a proposed rule by the Department of Ed uh, that would redefine sex under Title IX mm-hmm. and basically require um, anyone who identifies as a woman to be allowed to participate in basically school act- any school activity or program. Program. Mm-hmm. Um, this includes facilities. Uh, while the while the administration tries to skirt around whether that includes sports, there's nothing explicitly barring it from including sports. So, and then it also comes before uh, the the Department of Health and Human Services. They're going to roll out uh, a rule that would um, likewise uh, redefine sex under the non discrimination clause of the Affordable Care Act. Um, again, in an attempt to push a radical policy of we need to make uh, transgender uh, transitioning kind of uh, basically standard care in the medical mm-hmm. space. So um, this is just, this is coming between uh, two radical policies. Um, it is itself a radical policy is something else I think we need to understand. Uh, this is a Trojan horse. Mm. Uh, this, again, has nothing to do, it, if there's no threat to same-sex marriage or if there's no threat, legally speaking, to interracial marriage, um, then what is this bill really about? We've already talked about the kind of publicity stunt thing, right? Mm. Um, but the thing we need to recognize is that this is really about codifying something more radical, specifically polygamy. Um, oh, wow. Obergefell uh, recognized that it redefined the federal uh, definition of marriage between a man and a woman 
to basically include any two individuals. This bill goes even further and says, basically, whatever a state recognizes as marriage has to be federally recognized as marriage. So if one state, just one state, recognizes polygamy as uh, as a legitimate marriage or legal marriage, um, then basically the federal uh, government has to do that. And this creates tons of problems for basically all the laws on the books uh, regarding marriage, mm-hmm. tax code, welfare, you name it. It's It just creates a mess. Okay, so just to kind of really sink that in if a, yeah. if a for example if a state decided that bestiality that marrying a dog would be legal this bill would say that at the federal level that would have to be recognized yeah yeah okay yeah. um that's i mean that's shocking it seems like that that would be insane how does that function as a as a proponent of, of federal law where it basically would say one state gets to dictate the entirety of marriage law in in the entire country yeah well i mean this is this is exactly the point is is there's there's no the state doesn't have historically and presently the state shouldn't have has never had interest in uh, people's feelings uh, their sort of romantic lives like the whole point of why uh, federal uh, law even recognized marriage as something special right is because it has an interest in uh, the welfare of children mm-hmm. uh, the welfare of the family because when families thrive children fl- thrive society civil society thrives so um, the reason for these uh, these laws is again because of a sort of natural social institution uh, that is actually better for society. And so the state has recognized it's not not discriminating against single people or uh, before Obergefell, same-sex individuals, same-sex attracted individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was simply about uh, recognizing that naturally marriage is ordered towards procreation mm-hmm. and parents are best at raising their kids. Uh, and when those families thrive, civil society thrives. Mm-hmm. So this is actually looking like it might pass with Republican support. There have been a lot of Republicans who have gone on the record, senators who have said that they will vote for this. How did a party that had traditional marriage between a man and a woman for a long time as part of its platform shift so radically in this direction? Yeah. This shift, I think, really is uh, sort of a fulfillment in this kind of sexual revolution. Um, you, you get a lot of people making those comments. Um, I think it's important to, to recognize that, uh, you know, transgender ideology that we're seeing kind of pushed in schools, uh, that we're seeing come through uh, uh, courts, through uh, laws. Um, basically, these these are connected. It's, it's, it's a rejection of... Uh, the personal significance of biological reality, that our bodies are actually part of, of who we are and that they shape and define the world uh, we live in. So um, I think, but, but, but what's important here, again, is just to draw attention that we don't need to rehash the marriage debate. Um, uh, we recognize, again, that, this, that Obergefell didn't change the nature of marriage, just legally redefined it. And uh, marriage is still marriage. Like, uh, and so... Uh, I think what we need to recognize is that this is, again, just the left's attempt to draw attention off of its radical policies to kind of build a Trojan horse to sneak something more extreme than even Obergefell did into federal law um, just to get – and again, like <laughs> in time for uh, midterm elections. Mm-hmm. You know, This is an attempt to get the eyes off the Democrats, uh, off the left – and to force uh, GOP members to hash out a debate, something that's, you know, the shift in a public opinion has maybe uh, gone towards same-sex marriage. But the reality is it's 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 a mile wide and an inch deep. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's just something that we don't need to rehash and, and Re- Republicans shouldn't take the bait. Um, this is something that needs to be met with uh, uh, real, honest, uh, <laughs> objective look at the facts, which says this is not under threat. 
this is a non-issue when we've got so many other things we've got to be concerned about um, from inflation, war in Ukraine, um, you know, again, gender ideology in schools, uh, transitioning children. Um, there are plenty more concerns <laughs> we have than uh, same-sex marriage right now. To play devil's advocate for a second, there are some who argue this is how the process should work. This may be a, a very bad bill. That's entirely possible. But the court has said in their decision to overturn Roe v. Wade that these types of decisions, these types of, of you know wide-reaching decisions, are not the responsibility of the judiciary. They are, in fact, the responsibility of the people and their representatives. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, again, uh, you know, this is one of the things that if the left had actually tried to push this through legally, right, they they wouldn't have been able to do it, um, you know, prior to Obergefell. So there was a sort of judicial activism. Um, and again, the sort of, uh, I think Thomas talks about the, the sub substantive due process that has been used, this sort of doctrine that's been used to create rights that aren't actually in the Constitution. Mm -hmm. um, and so this, you know, given that they've had the court win, now they're basically trying to to force a vote on something that, um, again, regardless of, of you know what what people say or believe, the state has a has a an interest in uh, family and marriage, natural marriage, and that this shouldn't be seen as something that, yeah, maybe it's for the people to decide, but this is a non-issue right now. Again, just want to keep drawing back to that point. Mm -hmm. um, regardless of what the process is and how people should decide it, um, the point is that why are we focusing on this issue? Why are we drawing attention to this issue, which isn't even under threat given the current legal landscape? Mm -hmm. One thing that I, I guess I'm curious about is since this will be federal law, this would be something that would affect Americans at the federal level. The states couldn't intervene necessarily. Will this bill have any spillover, say, for free speech and free exercise of religion? We've already seen the court has had to deal with a number of cases that have dealt with people's objection to serving same-sex weddings. Would this bill have any impact on those? Yeah, it puts it puts a lot of organizations at risk. Um, uh, so basically, any we, we saw this in Philadelphia. Uh, the Fulton case last summer was uh, connected to that. Uh, the city of Philadelphia basically uh, saw that um, Catholic social services were uh, performing a state function, right, and that uh, if they were going to, quote-unquote, discriminate mm -hmm. um, uh, and refuse to place with uh, same-sex couples because they held a sincerely a sincere belief that marriage is between one man and one woman, right, mm -hmm. they shut down Catholic social services saying, look, you can't do this, this is discrimination. Um, Fulton ruled in Catholic social services' favor, uh, rightfully, um, maintaining that religious organizations do have the freedom to operate according to their sincerely held beliefs. So I think it's just worth keeping in mind that if this bill were to pass, any organization that could be alleged to be acting under, quote unquote, the, under the color of state law is the language of the bill, then they could be sued. Um, and we know that there are activist groups, again, that have already been doing this work. Um, and so it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. The other thing I'd add is that this creates grounds for, uh, like the IRS, for example, to uh, uh, deny uh, non-profit uh, non status, tax-exempt status um, to organizations that 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 refuse to place um, uh, with uh, same-sex couples mm -hmm. um, because, again, because of their uh, sincerely held beliefs. And extending that out further, obviously, as you were saying, this bill could theoretically legalize polygamy. So right. that would apply then to families of, you know, four or five individuals living in a house. Exactly. And could create, I mean, especially in the child welfare space, a lot of problems and questions that uh, our, our, our legal landscape hasn't addressed. Mm -hmm. um, and so it just creates a mess out of, uh, you know, 
yeah, the whole situation. Interesting. As we begin to wrap up here, I'm curious, if this bill is to pass, what can states do? And frankly, what can individual Americans do to sort of counter the worst parts of it? Is there any way to do that? Yeah. I mean, I think the first thing is that we need to be making sure that um, elected officials have the resources they need to understand this issue. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this bill needs, you know, uh, it, it creates a lot of problems. And so um, I don't think it has to get to that point. Um, and so th- what we have yet to see in the next couple of weeks is whether people can become informed about what's going on and do what they need to do to uh, ensure that their elected officials are representing them. Mm-hmm. Excellent. That was Jared Eckert, a research assistant in the Richard and Helen DeVos Center for Life, Religion and Family here at the Heritage Foundation. Jared, very much appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. And that'll do it for today's episode. Thanks so much for listening to the Daily Signal podcast. If you haven't done it already, be sure to subscribe to the Daily Signal podcast on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. And please leave us a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and encourage others to subscribe. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back with you all tomorrow. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. The executive producers are Rob Bluey and Kate Trinko. Producers are Virginia Allen and Doug Blair. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. For more information, please visit DailySignal.com.